You go first. <laughs> we have to introduce him on an earlier episode. Oh, you're already on yeah. this. Okay. It's okay. Well, I'm Sharda. Um, I work in content and I'm a strong believer in energy and the universe and an advocate for self-care and mental health. Oh my God. You just said so much in one very short, concise sentence. I don't know where to start. Let's start with, I want to break down content and I want to break down universe. Let's start with content because that can mean a lot of things. What exactly do you do with content? Well, that's why I said content because it covers so many things. So I spent the bulk of my career working in TV. Now I work in social and digital media I also, you know, create a little bit of content for myself because I can sew. So I like to take photos and show people that I make stuff because I feel like if I'm going to spend that much time sewing, people have to see it. It's beautiful. Right? You do have to share it. Yeah. So I like do my my virtual shopping through you. I'm oh, like, sweet. Except you can never buy it. Well, Isn't that the most frustrating thing? I buy it in the future. I don't, Shari doesn't know this, but I have been planning that she's going to design all my clothes. <laughs> Before, I think when I was just in TV, I would have just said, oh, I'm a producer. But now because I post on Instagram and on Facebook and, you know, we're here recording a podcast, it's so much more than just TV. It's it's everything. And that's what content is really, right? So how many different platforms do you manage for work? Um, for work, I work on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's just my regular day job across several different brands. Um, and then for myself, I really just work off of Instagram and Facebook and my own blog website that I have. At Sweet Shard XO. It's the coolest thing ever. She makes all her clothes. It really is. <laughs> We're going to put that in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. Justin is like my biggest advocate. I love it. I think it's so cool. I do. I really do. Don't You're both just staring at me. I think it's cool too. It's just, you know... Sometimes I like to just create and then I'm like, oh, but then I have to post that that feeling of needing to share what you're doing. And it sounds like it's something that you're doing from a place, you know, you're, you're talking about creating it's for yourself, but then it's not, it's no longer for just yourself. What is that? What compels you to share that? Well, I think initially when I started to, when I first started to share, it was because I was still in TV and I wanted a taste of digital and social. And I wanted to sort of move into that realm because I was aware of the shift at the time. So it was, it, it wasn't, it was a bit more of like, it was, okay, how do I say this? It was definitely a bit more of a strategic way of thinking when I first started posting my thing, the, 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 sorry, the things that I was making with time, because I could see how much effort was going into making these things that were for myself, really, because anything that I make, it's really because I have an idea of what I want to wear or how I want to present myself in the world, right. Or how I see myself. So it was coming from a place of what I wanted for myself. But then because I could see how much time I was spending on it, I thought, well, I want people to see it too, right? Because anyone who knows me knows that I don't really go out too much. I mean, if I had my choice, I'd probably probably stay at home and watch Bollywood movies or something or like the next episode of The Crown. Can yeah. we talk about when you were coming up with your designs for your Grammy dress? And 
how much you struggled with that because I don't think you posted it. You eventually posted the dress, but like months, 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 months later. Your Grammy dress. Oh, yeah. There's a story. Yes. So I was very fortunate to attend the Grammys last year in 2019 um, with a dear friend of mine who's in the industry. And so I was like, well, I'm obviously going to make my dress. Justin, you're right. I have never struggled with something in my entire life because it, at that point, I don't think it was for me, right? It was it was right. for like the Grammys. It wasn't what Sharda wanted. It was right. It was it was the image. I was yeah, there, right. You had a very specific idea with uh, like you probably felt a bit more pressure on your shoulders. Totally. She's also a bit of a perfectionist. So yeah. <laughs> so which people will notice when they see her perfect garments. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so I. I don't know. I, it probably took me a solid month and I went to the fabric store like every three days because I was screwing up my fabric um, or I'd buy the fabric and then I'd get home and I was like, this is not, this is not it. Not good enough. And then I finally committed to something. Well, the first dress you made, you didn't actually wear. I didn't wear. I, I finished it at four in the morning on like a Saturday morning and I put it on and it didn't fit. It was too big. And I was like, this is the worst the worst because the material costs like I think in total maybe $160 and while it doesn't sound like a lot for something that you would wear to an event like that it's a lot for fabric right mm-hmm. so um, and the time and the effort that goes into it and the it. time and the effort and the frustration and da, 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 whatever so my mom was like put it away don't throw it out because when I get to that space I'm just going to throw it out she's like no put it away so I told myself I would pick it back up in the fall because at the time it was February at that point, it's too late to continue it on because it looked like a winterish type of dress, right? Like it was meant for like colder weather. Yeah. It's not like a summer dress. When are the Grammys? Uh, February. Okay. I should know things like that. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking more about seasons, right? So at that point in February, you're done sewing for like the winter. You start sewing for like spring and summer. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pick this up back in the fall. And sure enough, on the first day of fall, and I didn't even realize it, picked it back up and I decided to finish it, took it apart and re stitched it all back together and it fits amazing. So I've got this beautiful dress that's sitting in my closet that I haven't shown anyone. Yeah. I haven't shown like photos of how it actually looks or cause I, I just haven't shown the world that I revisited it mm-hmm. and it's just sitting in my closet now. So what did you wear? Um, okay. So there is a dress that I bought from dynamite. Mm-hmm maybe 10 years ago. It's a beautiful dress. And I just, it's silver and it's long sleeve with a deep V. And I just cut a really nice thigh high slip, slit into it. And then that was what I wore. Cute. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I just need to feel good on what I'm wearing. Yeah. At that point, at that yeah. point, I was so frustrated with trying to like figure out what I wanted to wear that I was like, I just need to be comfortable and feel good about myself. And so I just pulled out that dress. Do you only post the things that you sew that you do feel comfortable and good about yourself in? Or are there things that you post where you're like, ah, I hate this, but I made it. So I have to post it. Yes. But I try to be a little bit more honest about it now and explain like my feelings about it. So maybe it was difficult to make. Maybe it's not my favorite make, or maybe I thought it was going to be a really good garment and then it was okay or whatever. So I just try to be a bit more honest about it now because I feel like, there's nothing worse than seeing someone that you think is like always creating something awesome. And then you're not able to create something as awesome yourself. How does honesty fit in with something that is so curated? Okay. My audience doesn't 
okay. love hate you. They love hate me. Yeah. It's true. I I told Justin yeah. this in the summertime. I think we chatted about this when we had yes. tea last time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting when I post a success story that has some sort of drama in it. So maybe it took me three weeks. Maybe I like tore it apart four times or maybe I, I just had to struggle with it in some way or another. People will adore me for my perseverance. But if, oh God, yeah. But if people, if I post a beautiful dress and I don't explain my struggle with it, I lose followers. I don't get, get as many likes. I don't get as many comments. Wow. Um, I made a bathing suit, for example, and I posted three photos. Um, every single one of those photos, I lost followers with, and. That's the first time I showed like my body, but I also knew when I was making this uh, swimsuit that I was going to take a photo in it. So I made sure to go to the gym and I was like, yeah, girl, you got to get this correct and lift that up a little bit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I'm out here doing squats every day. Like I'm at the gym every day and I'm really happy with how I look. Did you talk about that? No, I didn't because I like it was my first time posting it. Right. So I just really wanted to see what the reaction was going to be. And first of all, I didn't Photoshop anything. I made sure to like we are going to let it be. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is I also want to look at back at these photos in the future and know that that's how I looked. for real, Right. Um, But right away, I lost I probably lost like 100, maybe even more followers. Um, Well, it's funny, too, because. I think when you think of sewing as the activity, there's definitely a demographic that goes along with that. I think of like my grandmother sewing blankets for us. But it's such a comeback for it There right is now. a huge comeback. But I mean, in terms of like, you're good at it. You're young. You're fucking gorgeous. Like, it's not, it's not what you would think of when someone's like, I'm sewing. But you know what? There's tons of young, beautiful women out there, even like teenagers that are really picking it up and like, like there's a hashtag millennial sewing, right? So, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's making a huge comeback, especially <laughs> that's, that's a hashtag you need to follow to understand. <laughs> but I just recently started mingling a little bit more with people who are in the fashion industry, went to a couple events over the holiday season and And it was something that was very foreign to me as well, because I think that was also my mindset when I thought of sewing, like my, my sister and my mother, um, they knit, they, they build quilts and, and that's sort of my reference for making something out of materials is just like a quilt or a really chunky sweater (laughs) or like dish towels. And I never really understood the realm of the fashion industry, that kind of, that kind of mindset, that kind of world and the people who are in it and the the creators there until I started meeting some people. And I mean, look at what I'm wearing. This is, this is how much I know about fashion. I have a scrunchie in my hair right Listen, now. So scrunchies are in. I, thank Don't. you. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. <laughs> oh, I just have this little pain body inside of me that lives with that one Sex and the City episode that talked about scrunchies and how they do not belong in the city. And now they're making a comeback. I have three in my bag right now. 
I'm really happy. But you should right get satin now. ones. Do you, is your satin? No idea. Satin's really good. For Don't your know hair. the difference between satin and cotton. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, that is hyperbole. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I still would call myself like less than green when it comes to fashion. But I am starting to meet people who, like you, putting together these pieces and the kind of effort that goes into it, and the knowledge, the wherewithal to build your own clothes. I used the word build. It is. It is a build for okay. sure. For sure. Like I, so I made this turtleneck last night, right? And for me, this Just is like, like I love hate you. I do love hate you. <laughs> I'm part of your audience. I love hate you, but mostly because I'm jealous. But you know, you know, it's really interesting because, like, when you think about building something, so if I think about building this shirt. And then if I don't, ex- it was an easy make for me. And then if I don't express that I had some trouble with it to know that I'm losing audience because it's, it wasn't hard. That's kind of weird. That is really weird. But it's also, it's the thing that made me go, oh, I can't post for other people. I have to post for myself because then if I fall into that, it's like, well, then I always have to have like some sort of drama going in my life or some sort of struggle. And I'm just not a believer that life has to be a struggle. Okay, we're going to get to that, your belief system and what you believe in the universe as well. I want to just dig a little bit deeper into this idea of sharing struggle with your audience. I think I think I understand this part of the mechanism that is storytelling and how we have traditional narratives that include this journey of the hero that has to go through, it has to overcome something. So every time you post having that kind of essence, even if it's a small, like a a short story about some sort of struggle that went along with this final outcome. And people do like to hear positive outcomes. The the hero wins in the end. I think that that has something to do with that idea of, you know, even if it was an easy build for you that, okay, well then where was that space where you grew? Was it that idea that you're doing it for yourself. Was that the outcome? Was that the hero's outcome? Right, right. So yeah, I see what you're saying. So I feel like for me, when I'm, if I'm not struggling with something, so um, when I made this, for example, uh, my goal is to make something every week, right? So when we discussed coming out together today, I was like, okay, so I'm probably not going to be able to make anything today or start or finish or just really get to anything today. So how do I make myself feel good about stepping away from my machine to go and do something else or meet with other people? And in that, it's like, okay, well, I have to get this done. Which is, So I have to get it done the day before. So I, I made sure to get this done last night, which was, it was fun, but it was also like um, my reward almost for finishing this was coming here. Oh, Wow. So that's kind of... Are you type A? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. She's a producer. She's definitely type A. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I've met real type A people before. And like when I think type A, I think like Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory. I think that's a, maybe or one that, end of the spectrum. Like that's... <laughs> I think he's That's like very extreme, right? I think that's an okay. extreme example of it. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, I don't like that my phones are like... One straight and one's like great. You're type A. Okay. So on to- <laughs> <laughs> like I like them to be like like that. Just for the audience members who can't see what's happening, Shard is rearranging everything on. The- like, does it bother that the tea towels are also? No, it doesn't. It, it bothers me that this is hanging off a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> well, blame like, Justin Bieber the most. Oh, but I try to. I I try to not. 
I try to like be to relax a little bit because it's just it doesn't serve me so much to be so rigid in my ways. But yeah. even in even in the content you produce, whether it's for your job job or for you personally, you have a very specific idea of what you want to put out there and you don't put it out there until it's exactly yeah. that. So I recently did this uh, personality or it's not, it's not really a personality test. It's called a Colby test. And so it identifies the way that you operate in like work environments. My strongest strength, I guess, would be um, like fact finding. And my weakest is being a quick start. So there's like um, implementers, Mm. uh, fact finding, quick start. And I forget what the third one is or the fourth one is. But my weakest one is a quick start. So you're right. I'm not willing to like put anything out until it's like exactly where I want it to be or what I want it to look like. But a lot of that stems from working in TV because I feel like I'm used to putting out such a high quality piece of content, you know, working for, you know, notable networks in Canada that when I'm working on my own content and a lot of the people who follow me are my peers from the industry, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a certain level that I have to show. Like, I feel like I can't show poor quality work for my personal work, but like such high quality for my professional work. Well, and that was also your role. Mm -hmm. So while others might be like for me as an actor being in front of the camera, it's kind of like, cool. Your job is to let loose. Your job is to learn the lines, learn them, like block it out. And then you need to be able to let everything go wild. Right. And my job was everything has to be in order. It has to look a certain way. I have to have the executives come in and review with me and give me notes and fix it accordingly. And only the best can go out. Yeah. So that's what I'm used to. So I'm not used to like just any random piece of content going out, mm-hmm. right? Because even if it's on a network, it's still, re- it's a representative of me. And on social, it is 100% a direct re- representative of me. So going back to social too, I think it's really interesting talking about this and talking about having that journey, but your feed is all completed projects. You don't, I, I think I've maybe seen like one or two posts since I've known you that has been like a project halfway through the making. Okay. So I have a full theory on this <laughs> and that is on purpose. Anytime I post something partway through, I ruin it. So I don't end up having a final product to show. Oh, like you're, oh, th- that's uh, superstitious. But not though, because it's true. It's I mean, so true. It's also a self-confirming bias. <laughs> so like, so, <laughs> so for example, I wanted to um, share this turtleneck on my stories as I was making it last night, but I was like, no, no, no. I, history has shown me that if I post this right now, I'm going to ruin this in an hour. And then I've got nothing to show tomorrow. Okay. So what I do is I take progress from photos and once it's done then I'll share it because then I know for sure I have something to share so let's talk about the law of attraction (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to work through this because I'm like maybe this is in my own head but I can't I can't risk it because so much work goes into making this that it's like if I try doing it and then I ruin it I'm like you know what you could have just waited two hours to post this And it would have been fine. (laughs) You said that you also take time to relax. How do you relax? Here's what I have to do to relax now. I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. 
This is, I am not I love this story. I love it. I love what's happening. <laughs> so uh, I like to go to the gym as much as possible. And I like to meditate. But if I wait till after work to do that, mm-hmm. there's a chance that I'm going to be too tired or maybe even frustrated from my day itself that like, you know, meditation or gym is going to help me. Right. So the only way I can make sure that I get this in for myself is I have to go to sleep at a certain time and actually like calm myself down and like speak nicely to myself and kind of like set an intention for the next day. Then I wake up. I can wake up at five o'clock in the morning without an alarm. That's so you how, don't use an alarm. I mean, I set it for seven thirty just in case, but I can wake up at five, five thirty. No problem. You've um, trained your internal body clock. Yeah. And I, but I also have to tell myself the night before, like wake up at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I'll wake up at six or six thirty. Hi is the dating app with icebreaker games and quizzes for creative and interesting people. Mm-hmm. Games that give you something to talk about, you know, to let you know about your sense of personality, your humor. It's like getting to know someone over cards against humanity. You can take our quiz, which we wrote our very own selves, and it's, it's called so We're Totally... Oh, I already buggered it up. Okay. It's called What Totally Not Okay Hero Are You? by going to hi.com slash not okay. Again, that's high.com slash not okay. And that's high with three eyes, not two as I previously thought. Get your bang on. Oh. If I don't, I'll wake up at six or 6.30. I would like to commit to it every day, but like I try to at least do like 10 minutes or mm-hmm. five minutes, but my optimal is doing like a 40 minute meditation in the morning. That is, that's become the time for me to like chill out and relax and like have like sharded time. Where do you go when you meditate? I mean, I feel like I'm off in space. Like, that's like the only way I can really describe it. But I feel like I try to connect, you know, like I think that there's like energy that you can connect to and different frequencies that you can connect to. So I definitely try to go to the highest frequency possible that that I'm able to like. So I don't know if that is the highest available, but it's where I'm at in my stage, Mm -hmm. I think. How long have you been meditating? Um, not okay. Mm, I would say maybe only about like three years. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's a consistent, yeah. a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. But you know, like actually, you know, maybe I'll revise that answer. Um, like I started meditating maybe in 2013, 2012, but it wasn't really consistent. Mm-hmm. So it was like your first introduction to it and figuring out what it was for you. Yeah. Figuring out like how to breathe properly, say, for example, because I think a lot of people don't actually know how to breathe. Which that's, is... uh, that, that, that's me. That's why I found meditation. A big reason why I found meditation. Yeah. I found yeah. that out through acting. I had a coach actually call me out on it and wait for me to get through an entire monologue and be like, okay, cool. So you didn't breathe the whole time. So let's work on that. Yeah. Like, and oh. I just, I learned then that breathing was like a form of consciousness Right. Because people just it's so innate that you don't even think about it. Right. Like you probably until I just said it, you probably didn't really think about your breathing. Right. Yeah. But then it went away because I was like, oh, I'm fine now. So I just didn't think I needed it. And then back in 2017, I started doing it again because I was very aware that I needed to like chill out. Um, and now it's just part of my like life. Do you, do you find that you recognize that quickly in other people? Can you see whether mm-hmm. or not they are there with you or when they go off on say some sort of negative tangent and yeah. And, and when that happens, what do you do for yourself? If you have to deal with people like that, say in work or friends, 
do you feel a responsibility to do anything in those moments? Um, I can identify if it's me that's reacting or if it's that person that's reacting. So like there's a really strong sense of responsibility that I can identify right away. What I'm ultimately always aware of is how I have to respond to that person. I also can be aware of whether that person's able to receive any advice or conversation about communication or energy or whatever mm-hmm. from me. So if that's the case, I can like have that conversation and shift it. But if it's not, if that person's not in, a, in the same type of awareness that I am, there's nothing I can really do about it. And you let that go. And I let it go. And I go, okay, that has nothing to do with me. So in those moments, are you... Are you ever thinking, I've just been, I guess, recognizing that more and more for myself. And in those moments, I've been finding, I've been going to a place of reflection to question whether or not, like once I separate it and I'm aware that it's somebody else who's reacting or it's somebody else who's telling some sort of story that is not serving themselves or the higher vibration. Mm -hmm. I go to a place now where I question why that has been brought into my life and what is meant for me out of that? I don't necessarily ask those questions. What I go into is I wonder why that person is reacting the way that they are, what happened. And I try to like backstory it in some way, not to project a story onto them. But ultimately what happens is, is when I start thinking about why they might be doing X, Y, and Z, I start thinking about why I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Turns back on me where I start thinking about okay, why am I the way that I am? What have I done to get myself into this position? Why have I found myself in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the B story or the C story in a arc plot film yes. where it's like, oh, it's another facet of the same question or yeah. the same conversation or struggle or journey. Yeah. And if there's any sort of like weird conversation that I find myself in, I ultimately walk away from that going, okay, what was my contribution to it? Which I think is the most important thing. And I think we spend the bulk of our lives like deflecting and blaming other people. And the greatest thing that I've learned is to just take responsibility for myself. Hmm. Did that recognition or learning about yourself coincide with you leaving television? Yes, it did. But I don't, but, but I don't know if it's exactly because of television. There was like so much going on. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't think you but, can ever blame one thing yeah. or attribute one particular area of your life to a shift like that. But. Yeah, I would say so. Cause I mean, like I was in TV since I was 16 and it was all I ever wanted to do. Like my dream was like as a kid, assuming that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would be on forever was to work on that show. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Maybe we bring it back. Shout out, Will. Are you listening? <laughs> that was my dream because, you know, at the end of the show, they would show like snippets of like the audience mm-hmm. and like them talking to the audience. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything. Right. So when I moved away from TV, and that was a conscious decision, I remember uh, I was working on a show. And the very last day of that show, I walked out of that studio going, I quit. Like, I never want to work in this business ever again. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, I wasn't working in the business anymore. And, but when I came to that realization of it's not happening, it was like, it was shattering because like I grew up thinking I'm going to be a producer. And then when I became a producer, that was what I was like. I wasn't Sharda. I was a producer. Yeah. Right. Do you, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like that was what my identity was. And then when I was no longer actually producing, I was like, Oh my God, like what, what do I do? 
Like mm-hmm. I'm not who I said I was. Mm-hmm. Like I can't show myself to certain people because I've always been that. And I've always been good at it on top of that. And here I am without, I felt like I had to get back to where I was because otherwise I was failing. Where was that? I had to get back to the same pay, to the same status of like work, to the same like level of responsibility at work, which meant a certain level of respect from my peers or whatever. And I wasn't willing to settle for less. I wasn't willing to start over again because to start over again would show people that I failed. Hmm. So, and, but like, when I think about how I grew up, I was pretty good at everything. It's like, if you know, Justin, Justin's good at everything. Yeah. It's frustrating. Except he's not good at he's not good at tennis though. I'm not good at tennis. Well, yeah, we've established that in our earlier conversation. We'll save that for your one cool thing that you're not good at tennis. Shark's cool thing. No, my theory. My theory. Your theories. Yeah, I like this theory. Can you can you actually throw that out? I don't know if you, if you want to make this your one cool thing. No, you can plug it right now. But what is we're, we're talking about tennis in a very vague way. We've <laughs> lost like all three of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> what is the story about? Okay, tennis? so there's this book. I forget the title of it, unfortunately. Um, Classic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a book that one of my mentors gave to me when I was working in TV, and it was basically about how to manage. Um, your energy rather than time. And the theory behind this is that you just need to give yourself a lot of rest. Um, so for example, this, this practice started with tennis players and how they identified that it was the same amount of tennis, the same tennis players that were always winning. And what was their, what was the thing that they had in common? And the thing that they had in common was the way that they rested after their season was done. So they took a prolonged period of rest, which is like three months, which unfortunately most of us can't take three months. You know, most of us get only like Saturday and Sunday. But the thing is, is that by the time you get to your end of like three or four months or whatever time frame that is, you're excited to get back to work. You're excited to like, you miss it. You miss the thing that you've been doing. So when you get back into your training or you get back into your work, you go head first because you're ready and you're thirsty for it. So is that something that you do for yourself on Saturdays and Sundays? Is that (laughs) you took nothing from the But I will say, so after talking about what you used to be producing in TV and how you're getting frustrated with that and you kind of walked away from it and tried to find a relatively similar position in a different field, which became digital for you, uh, you have recently expressed that you wanted to get back into TV and you are kind of flirting with that idea of getting excited about those kinds of projects again. Yeah. So maybe that was your time away. Well, it's interesting because I'm finally getting excited about things again, because there was a period in time where I just wasn't really excited. I was doing what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause girls got to eat. Rat race. Yeah. Girls got to eat. She's got to pay her bills. Right. You know? So like things come up that you have to have money for, but I wasn't like excited the way that like TV or film. The Fresh Prince was music. making you. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that like zest, but I feel like I I'm starting to get that back again. I'm really excited for things and for what's to come, mm-hmm. which is a foreign feeling because I haven't had that feeling in like years. That's a really cool feeling. I'm yeah. happy for you. I'm really excited that that's coming back to you. Yeah. I'm assuming that some of it was still being channeled through your artwork, through your clothing, your building of the clothing. Yeah. And so part of when you ask, like, how do I relax or if I do get that time to rest, I, I do and I don't because I want to be able to, like, create 
as much as possible, uh, I spend a lot of my off time creating. So I don't necessarily find it to be relaxing. Mm. So when I'm sewing, the thing that's actually relaxing about it is sewing. Like it's, it's like the stitch that you make. The meditative motion. Yes. But the bulk of sewing is cutting, (laughs) ironing, ironing, (laughs) measuring, fitting. Oh, it doesn't fit. Got to take it apart and redo it. Right. So So you have a, you have a favorite step in the whole process. The the one step is the thing that's relaxing. The rest of it is like thinking and really like mathematics and whatever. Right. And work. Let's get to the idea of the universe because you've touched a little bit on it. You've talked about energy here and there, and you've also talked about being able to, you know, pay attention to the energies that are coming to you in conversations or moments and shifting either somebody's perception or your perception or moving into a higher vibration. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the universe, what are you talking about? This conversation that I'm having with you guys, Mm -hmm. which is an outward conversation, and then there's my internal conversation that I have with myself when I can identify that everything is external. There is a point in which I go, oh, okay, I can speak to myself, but where is that voice coming from? Where is it coming from? I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. When I get into a meditation, I'm like, wait, what is I start having like a bit of an existential crisis because I'm like, where is this voice? What is this being? It turns into that whole thing. So like for me, that's what the universe is where I'm like, what is this being? It's so hard to say what the universe is, right? Because like, you know, there's the galaxy and then there's like space and the stars and all of those things, but then things we've given labels to. Right. But then for me, the universe is also all the things that we can't label Mm -hmm. and we aren't able to, but I'm able to connect with like someone like Justin where we met, I don't know, two years ago, but like we connected instantly. Right. How did you guys meet? I don't know if I ever heard the story. Basically was working on kind of like a DIY network type thing. And we had contracted Shard to create some clothing. Uh, Shard had a connection to one of my former colleagues and that's how it kind of came up. But it turned out to be like one of the first things that I was producing hands off when I first started this job was a shoot with Shard. And it was just the two, well, the two of us plus a cameraman. Yeah. And it was just like us in the office on a Sunday. We were just kicking it for like 10 hours, I think. It was so much fun. Yeah. So three things. Yeah. (laughs) It was amazing. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then, but he's got that personality where he can get along with anyone. Yeah. So I've been on a Bollywood binge. Yeah. Like, so my Netflix. It's just Bollywood recommendations. Just recently. So I've been watching so much Bollywood that. I opened it up yesterday. It's all Bollywood recommendations now. Why? What what draws you to it? Um, First thing comes to mind. Obviously the teeth. (laughs) Okay, no, no, but here this is there's a real segue here. So what I noticed in my binge watching over the last, you know, month is that none of them have perfect teeth. Oh, they they're just real. They're just they're real. Just, they're the regular, the regular <laughs> teeth, right? It's like they're not even the whitest. They're crooked. Are we just in this world where like everything is perfection? It has to be perfection because like in Hollywood, you just see a lot of veneers and a lot of like perfect teeth, like Justin's, right? Which is and a lot no, of no, he doesn't Everybody's have... tanned. I was specifically told that by somebody who like you. If you want roles on anything that is American based, you need to be tanned. I'm like what? 
what if I why if I want to play albino? The red-headed albino. <laughs> like I but I, I realized I started watching, identifying they said, take a look at Canadian television and American television. That's one of the major like immediate it visual pulls cues. you out visual yeah. cues that pulls you out. You can recognize a Canadian show versus, and I'm like, I guess that makes complete winter sense. Everybody's cold up here. It is a world. Uh, it's a. It's so manufactured. Yeah, but I just thought it was so interesting to see like so much crooked teeth in Bollywood. Your episode title is Bollywood Teeth. I hope you know that. <laughs> Stop. But it but just it, it just of- made them so relatable, right? Because at the same time, these people are so like unattainably beautiful like it's weird when people take a look at your pictures and they're like how does she find that relatable when did I see you just before the holidays um so maybe three weeks ago right Mm -hmm. and my skin was clear and then I kid you not maybe like two days later I just had this nasty breakout in the kind that hurts and then it just like it just cleared up the universe knows she's connected to a higher vibe that's saying get your skin together Maybe there is something to, I mean, I think it's Justin. I think being around him is the high vibration. Then you move away from his vibrations. It's like, eh, all hell is chaos. Oh my God. You know what's Guys, funny, though? Life is so chaotic. It's, it's like, even when he's in a bad mood or something's not going right, it's like, your energy's still pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, it, it's weird, right? Because it's not negative. It's just, oh, you're just having a bad day. Like, whatever. It's... Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know how what word I would use to describe it, but it. Um, I know exactly what you're saying, and I think that it has to do with this idea of, I guess, what I believe in as far as the universe goes. That whole birds of a feather flock together. That law of attraction. Right. The idea. Your of, tribe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the more and more that you recognize that and appreciate that, I think the more that you'll find those kind of people, like where you put your attention and what you show gratitude for and appreciation for, that's what you bring into your life. But if you spend your time blaming and whatever the opposite, I can't even think of the opposite of gratitude, guys. I'm just in such great energy right now. But if you have negative vibes with things, if you're always complaining, that's what you're going to attract other complainers because they, they want to feel that, that comfort of the, the complacency that they have sat in. I think you want what you're used to. So if you cultivate gratitude or if you cultivate higher vibrations, you will start to have that come into your life. Right. And it's interesting because it doesn't mean you don't have bad days, right? Or you don't have days of negativity. For me, like it's just easier for me to identify when I'm going in a direction that I don't want to be going into. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me to course correct. It's interesting to listen to you guys talk about this because you're talking about not complaining. I actually think I complain a lot, but um, it's because I don't really... And I, I would say that compared to what you're describing as your internal monologue, I don't really do that. I do that outwardly, whereas I think you probably do that inwardly. Kaylee, you probably also do a lot of inward reflection and stuff. I don't do that. I, I would, like, I'm a very outgoing person. I get very, very tired with large social interactions, but I get a lot of energy from like smaller social interactions. So I would say I actually complain a lot. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, a, I'm so a you know what? I would agree. You do. Yeah. But there isn't a negative tone to it, which is weird. Like, how can you complain and there isn't negativity to it? But just yeah. it's not at their expense. It's more about figuring out what I can do to change. Like, if I'm telling you about something that I'm really frustrated with, it's not because I'm 
sending negativity into the universe at that situation or that specific person. It's more, it's my way of reflecting on what I can do differently. So you're working through the chaos to get to a higher vibration. You're just vocalizing. Yeah. That's what you're complaining. Yes. You're not, you're not complaining. It's, it's your, it's your work process and you're doing it out loud. I'm so (laughs) glad we all see it that way. (laughs) I mean, there are some people when they're complaining or Maybe, maybe they're just expressing themselves, right? Yeah. You can feel that there is something going on <laughs> for real, for yeah. real, right? Um, and some people you want to help and others you're like, well, you need to deal like, I can't, I got to, I got to step away from that. That. And, and you don't have that. But what is interesting is you and I had a conversation a long time ago when we were talking about, so Justin's obviously oh, no. a very quick starting person. Like he likes dives head first yes. goes as far as he can. And I'm yes. very much like a let's proceed with caution. Um, and we were talking about how for you, it's really easy for you to manifest because in your head, you're like, I'll just do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, so Justin has an inherent sense of he can do anything anyways. Yeah. And that might not be like at the forefront of your head because you certainly don't come across as arrogant or egotistical, but I think it's innately who you are which is fantastic, right? Like, I feel like for me, like I had that sense of I can do anything, like that blind belief that you can do anything um, until like things, until I couldn't do anything, right? And then I was like, maybe I can't do it. So like, so I am still working on building, rebuilding that blind belief. If someone wants to pay me millions to try, I'm available. <laughs> see, see, that that is, exact, that is exactly yes. what it is. The difference, I, and I think the word manifesting is, that that's what sort of hit home for me because... I am, I think I'm very similar to you in those regards where I am working back to a place of mm-hmm. finding my belief system that allows me to fly, that, that gives me those feelings. And I'm waking back up to that. Yes. The thing that you had, because I think we all had it at some point and I then think that's like, what life happens. Yeah. And then you go, oh, wait, but you just said it. I think that's, a, that's what we are. Right. When we get back to ourselves. Yes, that's exactly it. So I'm in a place where I'm getting back to myself, which is really great because that's where I'm finding that excitement to go and do the things that I want to do again. Like I get goosebumps when you start talking about that again. That's this, that is the most exciting thing in life, getting back to yourself. And that sounds so airy fairy. That sounds so like, it, it sounds like nothing if you haven't been there, I guess, or if you're not finding that for yourself. And that's something that I, I immediately recognize in Justin too. You are somebody who's just always like, you haven't really lost touch with yourself. Yes. Since I've known you, I'm sure you've gone through chaos and struggles. Everybody has, that's the human existence, but that I think is the difference between complaining. Like the idea of complaining is when somebody, you have that feeling where somebody's putting some sort of onus on you, or they're giving you something. that's like, you want me to work with what? Like you have this innate reaction to want to help people. You want to find we are solution oriented beings. We want to try to build from the chaos, but somebody who's offering just complaining is not offering anything that's constructive. It's not pointing out facts or pointing out the situation in a way that clarifies it. It's just adding to the pile of shit. And you're like, I can, I can't do it. I, yeah. I can't help you with that. Yeah. You're really solution oriented. Even in your like ways of complaining, it's like you, like you can complain about something, but your way of complaining always shows the solution of how it should be done. Yeah. And because you're such a quick start, it's easy for you to just carry out the solution. 
So this how this ended up talking about me. We went back to talking about Shard. <laughs> question, question. Does life happen to you or does life happen for you? Because I've been there. I've been that person. Yeah. Like, and you have to identify yourself as that toxic person, right? Because like tons of memes out there are saying, get rid of that toxic person. We have to identify when we're being that. In those instances, when you're that person, life is happening to you. But when you're in a place of manifesting or like self-reflection and introspection um, that ultimately turns into creation. And in that space, you're creating life. Life is like happening for you. Yes. It's really different. It just depends on like the state of mind that you're in. Yeah. (laughs) Which ultimately I think at the end of the day, that's just a sign of how you design your life. I love that. That's so daunting. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of Instagrammers out there who really talk often about like their problems and it, it's it's real I guess mm-hmm. but there's this one um, influencer that I follow and she talks a lot about her body image and I think it's a really incredible topic to talk about but I started to notice that she's talking about her shame every single day that I thought, is this, is this authentic Are you actually anymore? actually ashamed? Yeah. Because I also know how much she gets paid. So then I thought, okay, is this part of her finances for her to speak this way? Is she authentic anymore? You're like, what's motivating what's, that decision? Yeah, I can see how maybe like 200,000 followers ago, this was really real and authentic. Is it still real and authentic. I don't know. The whole thing about talking about like the negative thing that's going on in your life, right? And if you're talking about that, like if if those are the words that you continually manifest, that you speak all the time, what are you, what do you, like what vibe are you staying in? You're keeping yourself on ashamed level. Yeah. Yeah. If you keep speaking shame, what's that doing for your psyche? Which is interesting because everything is revolving around body positivity, but it starts with the shame. Like, so every piece of content starts with like, oh, I hated myself, but now I love myself. Mm -hmm. So there's always an underlying um, context of shame, no matter what it it can just, it could even be disguised as positivity. Right. But it's interesting because it, it attracts a lot of people who feel a certain way about themselves as well. I think that going through those those journeys and sharing, um, and one of the reasons why I like talking about these sorts of conversations on the podcast and sharing it with other people, letting other people plug this in their ears when they're doing dishes is to, yeah, hear that we all go through shit like this. But I think it's so important to take a look at the way that the messages are being shared. It's that whole Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message. Like if you're continually putting out that message, then what good is it doing if you're just beating a dead horse now? But I think it's it's like so so basically taking this idea of each 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 poster, each piece of her content is this mini journey from a negative to a positive. If you take a further step back, it's very similar to what you see big studios doing like Marvel, where you have each individual movie going through a character arc. But when you take a step back and look at the series, you have a series of what, 12 movies that creates one larger overarching 
storyline. Mm-hmm. And it can maybe be something like that where she's in this one specific little niche of that right now. And we just haven't given it enough time to be far enough back to say, oh, this is the actual overarching story that's coming. Oh, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Like in like five years, say, yeah. for example, where where is she going to be? Where is social media going to be? Where are we all going to be in five years? Like what's the story going to be then? Yeah. Right. About body shame. Well, maybe that's not her story at all. Maybe that's the subplot to something that's much larger. Oh, and, and that's what I'm saying is that being able to move on to other things to explore yourself and, and bring other parts of that shadow self into the light. For me, I just don't like the idea of having to post a struggle all the time because then I start to think, was well, that all my content is going to be, all my feed is going yeah. to be me like, woe is me, look how hard it's been. But I, but I won on the other side. I still came out strong. Like, I, I just don't want to always be telling that story either. I yeah. want to show that, hey, things can be easy. It's a, right? tricky, it's a tricky balance between basically serving your audience what you know they want to see and being true to yourself. 100%. And, it, and I think social media especially really challenge us, challenges each individual to kind of find that balance. And that's where I think a lot of mental health issues and a lot of insecurities that manifest so much more easily on those platforms because it's hard to find that balance. And also no one's seeing you going into the shower with a bottle of wine. You know what I'm saying? Which would be hilarious. I should probably post that. (laughs) Like, I think that's a photo shoot. That's like an editorial spread that we need to create. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's, it's a kind of like a catch 22 where people want to be able to relate to someone else who's going uh, through some sort of struggle. But at the same time, if you see somebody going through a struggle, that can make you feel better about your circumstance. There's the part of you that recognizes, oh, I'm not alone. Yes. And that's a beautiful thing. For sure. But even within that space, it's almost... Like, is that something that helps you reconnect with yourself? Is that, do you need other people to find that place within yourself? I don't think you can get to yourself until you go through that struggle. Like, I think you have to hit a certain point where you have to give yourself permission to pivot and find yourself again. Leading up to that, I would be lying if I didn't acknowledge that I had a group of people that allowed me to like complain, cry, scream, shout, and talk about the same thing that I was going through over and over and over again on a daily basis. You have to do the work yourself. Like I still needed to find that place of silence to internalize what people are saying or to like come to like the space of like quiet and calm. Maybe this is... A yin and yang situation. What I've started to do for myself, because I haven't done it in a long time, and and I remember that when I was doing it, yes, I was forced because it was my thesis course in university, psychoanalysis and the dream, but I've started writing down my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I've started jotting down just literally just to get parts of it out of me, whether it's a word or an image or something, just something I've started in the, in a sense, journaling my dreams again, so that I can see what kind of dream work I can do for myself. That's my one cool thing. You guys can write down your dreams. I don't remember mine. I have not remembered a dream since I was like five. Like I could not describe the experience of dreaming to you. I'm going to buy you a dream journal and force you to just write, even if it's not related to it, if you don't remember a dream, just write a word. But every. Does OHIP give you therapist money? 
Um, we'll, we'll figure that we'll out. Figure that out. Okay. You must sleep really well. I do. Because <laughs> if you're dreaming a lot, it means that you're in a certain state. You're not. You're not in your like. If you can remember your dreams, it means you're not Sam. Well, you're you not in your REM sleep. I think right. I um. I thought it was like if you're rem- able to remember your dreams, it means you're like in your the stage where you're about to come out of sleep. Like you woke up a bit too early. Yeah, or like you're in like your theta. I think you don't dream when you're in REM. Yes, you dream. Or, we're going to look research this up. and discuss next time on Bollywood Tea. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Please come back another time. That's the